welcome to the Film Pulse podcast. This is episode number 309. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, what's up? Not a whole lot. We're also, okay. we're also joined this week by Film Pulse contributor and my co-host on the Save by the 90s podcast, Ken Bakley. Hey, Ken. Hello. As we say goodbye to 2018, we are dedicating this episode to highlighting our top 10 movies of the year along with some other cinematic highlights the year has brought us. We'll sprinkle them in. We'll, we'll talk some honorable mentions and the like, how we normally do with these year-end shows. Mm-hmm. I think last year we did our top lists, and then we talked about some honorable mentions and some other things afterwards. So why, why, not, why not keep the tradition going, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Ken, I think we'll start it with you, since you're our guest. Uh, what's your number 10 movie of the year? My number 10 movie of the year is uh, Shirkers. 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 Great movie. Shirkers. Is the rest of the podcast just going to be uh, Kevin loudly yelling <laughs> Shirkers into the mic? <laughs> I hope so. It, it could very well be. It is a really fun word to say. Yeah. I really enjoyed Shirkers too. This is uh it's in my top fifty. Not not didn't break my top ten, but Kevin, I imagine this is gonna be on your top ten, right? No. No? It's in my top fifty. Top fifty. Okay. Yeah, it's in there. But I mean like the original Shirkers? That one? Oh man. The the original Shirkers I just know would be my favorite movie of all time. I know. It's just uh so disappointing yeah this is on netflix if you are unfamiliar and it's a documentary about a a lost film of sorts and it's it's really excellent i really loved it too so that's ken's number 10 kevin about what what about you what's your number 10 uh my number 10 is fail to appear which uh this played on uh movie on the movie.com I wrote about this one earlier in the year. I didn't write that much this year, but this is one movie I did write about. Yeah, you were majorly slacking this year. That's true. It's like, that is very true. I, I was just wondering, like, what what is Kevin watching? <laughs> What's he doing? What's Kevin doing this year? It's been a, it's been a secret all leading up to this. Well, you've been on the podcast, so we've I've been kept kept abreast to what you've been doing so correct uh so that is that still on movie or what's no it's not it's not but you know throughout the year check these places out especially movie movie this year uh a lot of quality stuff you know like actual online premieres really a number of them showed up on my list uh and that's fail to appear my number 10 is Black Panther. Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about this a lot in the past on the show, on the site, directed by Ryan Coogler. This, I imagine, will be on a lot of people's year-end lists. Uh, I've, been, I've been meaning to revisit this and haven't got around to it yet, but yeah. Yeah, same here. I'm kind of surprised that that's higher on my list than yours. Yeah, I really, wow. I really liked it, uh, but there were just... A number of things that just just slowly. I mean, I think it was number one or number two at one point, like on the mid year, and it's just well, yeah, yeah. It also came out like five years ago. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, well, 2018 felt so long <laughs> that like there was a viral tweet going around where someone said that uh, Black Panther was came out in 2018. And I knew that because I had like a list I was keeping, but still it didn't feel true because um, to paraphrase, like, you know, as people said, uh, 2018, uh, really a year that's been uh, a very long century. I, it, I completely it agree. Has. It's insane. I've been this, this year. I, so I've been working on this list for, I don't know, a week now, just refining it, moving things around, watching stuff that I am trying to get caught up on. And I, the, the list this year was so difficult for me to make. In, in pretty much all the previous years, I knew exactly what my number one was. And then the first, like the top five, really, like I would have that locked in. But this year, there were so many that were not, you know, ma- not 10 out of 10s, but like solid eights, you know, and mm-hmm. that that's why this year I decided to also publish a top 50. Kevin, you're usually the only one that does a top 50. But this I saw that. But this year I was like, you know what? I got to do a top 50, too, because there's so many movies that are worth noting that there were like a lot of titles that I wanted to mention and I wanted people to see that didn't quite make it on like that top list. But so, yeah, I had to do a top 50 and truthfully, my top 10, a lot of these could be rearranged. You could probably rearrange any, any number of these. So yeah, really difficult year for me making lists. I was really toiling over it this year. (laughs) Yeah, that's about where I am for a lot of my uh, top five or six or so, except for number one, which I feel slightly more strongly about than the others. But I definitely get what you mean. Uh, Number nine, Ken, what do you have for number nine? Uh, I have Black Panther at number nine. Oh, okay. Uh, Kevin, what about you? Man, I'm just kind of surprised that Black Panther is going to be higher than the two of you on my list. Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised there's a superhero movie. I know on this on your list at all. I'm surprised that there's a, a studio film on your list at all. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we got him on there. My number nine is Ouroboros, which was also a movie. Get yourself a movie uh, subscription. You're just really shilling for movie here. Hey. <laughs> Are you getting are you getting some kickbacks from this? Is that what's happening here? Are there kickbacks? Do we have to stage an inquiry? I fucking wish. But no, I'm not. But uh this is directed by Basma Al Sharif. It's like a it's an experimental narrative, kind of like an homage to the Gaza Strip and kind of like a study of displacement. It's really good. Fantastic uh cinematography in there. All right. It's really interesting to watch. So keep an eye out for it, you know, if you get a chance. Probably never be able to see that. You don't know that. <laughs> It'll probably show up on Netflix like five years from now, but you'll never be able to find it in the list of <laughs> No, it'll be bird. stuff. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to Netflix. My number nine is Spider Man into the Spider Verse. I I really really loved this movie. I was really surprised with how much I loved it from the early trailers. I was like, okay, that looks really cool. It looks like they're doing something different with the animation, but 
seeing it on the big screen, it's just a whole other experience. I just, it really hit all the notes for me. And I think this is the best Spider-Man movie that's ever been made. I think it's the best superhero movie of the year. I just can't say enough about it. And I think that the thing that sucks about this movie is that I feel like not enough people are seeing it because it's animated. I think that that immediately is some sort of red flag for people for some reason. But man, if you haven't seen this yet, please go out and see it. Uh, Number eight, Ken, what do you have? Uh, My number eight is the wild boys. This is uh, the uh, debut feature from uh, a French uh, short filmmaker. Uh, He basically made uh, short films. His name is, uh, uh, Bertrand uh, Mandico. I'm sure I'm messing that up somehow. Uh, uh, it's about the uh, these um, five uh, sort of wealthy schoolboys that commit a very violent crime, and then they're banished to this uh, remote island as punishment. And this island has all sorts of fantastical elements on it, and all sorts of transformations, both among them and among the nature around them start to form. And it's kind of this great, uh, crazy, surreal, almost Guy Madden inspired in a lot of ways uh, story about uh, how everything is fluid, everything is subjective, and uh, the more you try and sort things into uh, rigid definitions that can change, the more they will. And was that the one that had all... It was uh, an entirely female cast. Uh, yes, all of the uh, all all of the uh, male lead characters are played by uh, women. Yeah, I remember. What's the name of that again? The Wild Boys. I I remember when that came out. It looked really, it really looked really interesting. Oh yeah, I really I really liked it. Cool. That was that played on uh, movie. Movie is really <laughs> performing a valuable public service here. I'm just said, just pointing them out. You know okay. All right, all right. Can can the 2020 Democratic nominee please nationalize movie? I'm for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, what's your number eight? My number eight is uh, uh, this is kind of a weird one because it's something that we saw. It seems like ages ago, but that's uh, dim the fluorescence. <laughs> Did that? <Which> we, we, <laughs> We well, we covered uh, it back when it played Slam Dance. Yeah, I thought that came out but like it, five years ago. No, it finally came out this year to like everyone, not like a festival setting. Came out to 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 the masses because that's what to be on my list. You have to be available to everyone. Okay, so Dim Fluorescence finally was made available to everyone, and man. You, you should check this out. This is a audacious comedy. It's just, I was kind of blown away with this one back when we covered it for Slam Dance. Like, what was that? 20, 2016? 2011? <laughs> 2011? 2016? <laughs> yeah. Loved it back then, and I love it now. I actually really love this movie, too. It It's not... I didn't realize that that came out this year, so it's not on my list. Yeah. But <clears throat> yeah, you were uh, putting together a retrospective for its 25th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous. It's uh, it's a, a struggling actress and a struggling pay- playwright that work together, and what they since they can't get gigs, 
really all they do is like these corporate training seminars for companies in like, you know, conference rooms and shit like that. But they're really, really elaborate and they like, they really put their heart and soul into them. And it's just, uh, it's a, it's a ride. Yeah. It's, it's really funny and it's a really good time. I, I really enjoyed that movie too. All right. Good pick. Dim the fluorescence. Uh, let's see. My number eight is shoplifters. Ooh. Yeah. Shoplifting. Yeah. Uh, we just reviewed this on this, on the podcast a few weeks ago. So I don't feel like I need to get into it again, but I just really loved this movie. I, I thought that it was, really heartfelt and I loved all of the the characters and I just thought the performances were so good and it just it, it was just a great all-around time shoplifters uh Ken number seven uh, my number seven is support the girls this is the new film by uh, Andrew Bajalski uh it's a uh, really heartfelt and humane like the like it was just so nice to see a movie that really cared that was about like people that cared about each other uh it's a great examination of um kind of the current state of like uh being working class in america and especially like uh for women and people of color and kind of how the difficulties of existing within systems that are set to marginalize you and just kind of how you live within them. Uh, and of course, Regina Hall is fantastic in it. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked this movie a lot too. We reviewed this on the podcast and uh, both Kevin and I liked this quite a bit as well. It's just light and fun. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. think that we were always sort of on the lookout for movies like this where they're just, they're inoffensive. They're just a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did sort of talk about kind of the themes under the surface, but it's still under a very like funny and uh, just kind of yeah. You're right. It just feels good. It's a movie that feels very humane. Uh, and that's support the girls, Kevin. Number seven. Oh, my number seven is the rider. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I just love it, and I just love the way that in which she kind of utilizes these like real life occurrences and kind of blends it into this into the story and on top of that actually using people and their disabilities and just kind of building a film around them just uh whew. oh boy i couldn't i couldn't fit this one in unfortunately mm. so yeah i missed out on that one well when you do you're gonna love it i hope I'm I'll be disappointed if you don't. I'm sure I will. I probably will. I'll be disappointed if you don't as well. You will disappoint both of us. Oh well. You I definitely don't disappoint oh, probably the two most important people in your life. I yeah, I definitely mm. don't want to do that. So I will catch up with the rider and report back. We can pause now and I'll, I'll just watch it, it and then come back. <laughs> just put it on in the background. <laughs> you'll be able to hear it like... as we're recording. <laughs> Since you should watch it on a big screen, since the cinematography is so good, see if you can hack one of those uh, uh, those uh, big uh, electronic billboards in Times Square and project it on there like as the ball is dropping, just so everyone can enjoy it. <laughs> um, just imagining the confusion of people in Times Square mm -hmm. as the rider <laughs> is playing underneath the ball. 
<laughs> my number seven is Thunder Road by Jim Cummings. This is a film that I immediately loved when I first saw it, and I actually rewatched it this this weekend. I had some family visiting and watched it with them. They didn't, they liked it, but they didn't quite uh, love it on the same level as I did because they found it to be too sad and awkward. But that the the reason because it's so sad and awkward is why I loved it. Uh, one of the reasons I loved it so much. I think Jim Cummings does a great job in this. I loved the the dialogue in this movie and it was such a wonderful blend of uh, comedy and tragedy that I think that uh, very few other movies got to that the same heights that this movie did this year with that uh, that delicate balancing act. So, yeah, I highly recommend Thunder Road by Jim Cummings. Ken, number 6. Uh, my number six is Deborah Gronick's uh, Leave No Trace. Mm. It's a, okay. It's a very uh, beautiful story about a PTSD-stricken uh, veteran and his daughter uh, kind of living off the grid in the forest and um, becomes a story about the uh, always changing relationships between parents and children and the passage of time and between that and all sorts of very interesting things uh and with two really good performances from ben foster and thomas and mckenzie yeah this is another one that i didn't get a chance to see yet this year kevin what's your number six my number six is black panther Uh uh-oh and i just have because i kind of wrote notes for all of them the only note i have for black panther is just fun as shit (laughs) because it was a lot of fun it is it's a lot. It's a lot I of fun. Enjoyed it yep. immensely. I'm looking forward to Black Panther two, and Black Panther three, and Black Panther four. <laughs> the Black Panther <laughs> quadrilogy. I think I'm gonna stop after. If they go more than four, I'm done after four. Okay, I'll give you four. What if Black Panther five is on movie? Separate <laughs> <laughs> when we come to it. If that. Uh, my number six is eighth grade. This is the uh, the debut from Bo Burnham. Really funny, mm-hmm. really funny coming of age story. Uh, Elsie Fisher is phenomenal in this, and I th- I believe that's her first. I think that's her her debut as well. This is one that I've seen multiple times as well, and on a on subsequent watches, it's it remains just as funny and. It's uh, not one to be missed. Ken, top five. Yeah, my number five is Lynn Ramsey's "You Were Never Really Here." You know, a lot of people, a lot of people love this movie. This is this is like on a lot of people's top lists. It it just didn't uh, didn't speak to me like a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people do love that one. I guess a very different movie about how uh, trauma affects people and uh, examining how they interact in the world but it's um might be a very different approach to it uh but it's no less impactful or meaningful and uh joaquin phoenix is uh very good in it indeed kevin number five my number five is drift by uh, helena whitman this played on uh festival scope the festival scope has that not the pro one but the other website where, you know, occasional 
some of the festivals, they'll they usually show like eight or nine movies from it. This was a part of their uh, new directors, new films mm. festival. Mm-hmm. So I caught on there. Also, one of the movies that I wrote about this year, one of nine, I think. And uh, this one's, this is experimental. And I, it's really interesting what they do or what she does here is it, it's a couple kind of spending some time together. They part ways and then they come back together. I kind of see if they they changed it all, but this whole like middle section of them parting ways and going back to their respective homes, it's just it's essentially just the sea. It's just shots of the sea of them traveling. That's right. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. So this is like a. It just it focuses almost solely on the the very quiet moments that are usually cut out of films. It leaves all that stuff in. Yeah. And I thought it worked really well. Okay. And that's Drift. My number five is Sorry to Bother You by Boots Riley. This movie is just a great time. I love movies that that challenge the audience. And I love movies that... I mean, this was a pretty mainstream movie. But when you see it, you're just like, this movie is just so absurd and completely just batshit. And I love that someone gave Boots Riley the the freedom to make a movie like this. And I love the performances in it. And I, I can't wait to revisit this movie just because it's so insane and so much fun. I definitely liked it. Uh, I might not have loved it as much as you did, but I do agree that it's so wonderful just to know that it exists and he was able to make it. Ken, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is uh, Widows by Steve McQueen. Solid. An incredible ensemble cast. Lots of really fascinating uh, ideas and subtexts and themes going around. And on top of that, it's just a really well-constructed uh, heist movie. Yeah, that was one of the surprises, I guess, for me with this movie is that it it does often play out like a conventional heist thriller. And I I found that to be somewhat refreshing. I didn't expect that. And uh that that was definitely uh something that I that I welcomed with this movie. But yeah, the performances across the board were pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh Kevin, what's your number four? My number four is Faust by Andrea Busman. Another thing that played on Festival Scope. She takes uh, a camera to Mexico and Essentially, it's like little tidbits, little stories being retold and stuff kind of based on the legend or the myth of Faust. And it's got a fantastic score. Uh, I think it's like a, I want to say 16 millimeter film shot on 16 millimeter. And it's just, it's, it's something, these types of movies that I love where it's almost inviting you to fall asleep in a good way. Like it's very welcoming and very, very comfortable. And it's just very soothing experience. I like that. Yeah. I like that too. Uh, my number four is blind spotting. This is a movie that I think maybe when it came out, it just came out a little bit earlier in the year and people kind of, I don't know if people forgot about it or maybe people just didn't love it as much as I did, but this is a, Really, really 
great movie that again blends comedy with some really serious subject matter and it's also sort of a musical in a lot of ways too and the music is really great as well uh i highly recommend checking out blind spotting my number four ken what's your number three my number three is uh yorgos lanthimos's new film the favorite Uh uh-oh is that is that a good uh oh or a bad uh oh? <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, that's mm. that's coming up on my list. Yeah, basically my takeaway from it, I think it's what I wrote on Letterbox is my little comment is that um, the Academy should create enough new acting Oscars so everybody in this movie wins at least one. And when I say at least one, I mean like you know Olivia Coleman, for example, should win two or three for it. <laughs> She's so funny in this movie. Oh <laughs> my god. Oh boy. Yes, the favorite. Kevin, number three. I'm bummed that I haven't seen the favorite yet. Yeah, I think I'm really looking forward to I it. really think that that will would have gone on your maybe maybe oh, not I'm pretty sure. Maybe, I don't know if it would go on top ten. It would definitely go on like top twenty for sure. It would have been in there somewhere. I also want to say a word about how the like how the text setting for the credits in the favorite. Uh, which does not make sense to say if you haven't seen it, but it's the only time when like credits started scrolling up on the screen and I started just laughing at the sight of them. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. That's something that I always notice with movies is like title cards and credits. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that I always look at. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit too much. <laughs> you cannot not notice it here. Yeah. Kevin, what's your number three? If Beale Street could talk again, that's uh, that's coming up on my list. I need I need this movie right now because what this movie has is an overabundance of love and affection, and I just need to experience that right now because I'm just getting increasingly more frustrated, <laughs> and pissed off, and I just want to break everything in this fucking room. Oh, because everything was. All of a sudden, it's just like I can't connect anything. I got my little voice connected thing down here. Goes, it's just green, red, and then orange, and then red, and then orange again. Ugh. The the this experience that you're having on the last day of 2018 feels a lot like what 2018 felt like a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't come through in what you all are listening to. But Kevin's having a lot of technical issues. Uh, yeah, if Beale Street Could Talk is is uh, phenomenal. Great, great stuff. My number three is The Endless, directed by Aaron Moorhead Ooh. and Justin Benson. This was a movie I saw last year, I believe, at Tribeca, maybe. And I completely loved it. And it just stayed at the top of my list that whole, the whole time. I was keeping an eye on it the way I do. My list is if I see it at a festival, I I wait until the year it comes out and the year it's actually released to put it on the list. So this was actually released in 2018 and it just stayed, just lingered up there at the top and it fell a couple spots and then it was like back up and then I I saw it again and just, man, it's such such an incredible film. If you're not familiar with these directors, they did Resolution and they did Spring. This is their third movie. And it's just, it's this amazing culmination of like sort of what they've been building towards. And 
man, it's a great sci-fi thriller and I uh, can't recommend it highly enough. The Endless. All right. Number two. Ken, what do you what have you got? I have Paddington 2. Paddington 2, number two. Wow. The, it is, it's a great movie about a, a great bear doing great things to make our terrifying, cruel world a little bit more empathetic. And um, I guess, like, for, like, awards and whatnot, um, for the animated feature category, sometimes there's a rule about how much of the movie has to be animated so because a lot of most of the film is live action it's you know paddington in a live action world that wouldn't qualify so that makes it that much more imperative that anyone voting for any kind of award put it in their best picture slot <laughs> just put it anywhere in that in that category did you see paddington one yes and it's better than paddington okay it's even better paddington was great Paddington 2 is even better. Paddington 3 will bring about world peace. Because <laughs> I saw... How far... How, how deep will you go into Paddington? Uh, will you go for? Unt- uh, as many Paddington movies as there have to be until there are no more problems in the world and everyone is just getting along and eating marmalade sandwiches. There you go. Okay. I don't know how many that takes, but I'm there until it does. Hopefully it's four. Yeah. That'd be nice. This is like number 18 on my list. I really love this movie. I never saw the first one, though. <laughs> so I, I came into it. <laughs> I came into it at Paddington 2, and I haven't watched the first one because I figured, well, why? Why do I need to? Because everybody's raving that this one is so much better. Were you, were you lost in any way? No. I mean, there, it. I wasn't lost. I was able to put together the pieces. He's a bear and he's living with this family. Like that's, that's all I really, <laughs> that would have been my favorite part is the eternal. The fuck's going on with this bear? <laughs> Where did this bear come from? Uh, it's, it's great though. It's again, going back to just movies that sort of make you feel good and, and distract you from the horrors that of the world that we live in right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see more movies like this in 2019. Yes, I, I think we could best describe them as movies that are, you know, they're they're nice, they're empathetic, they're kind of relaxed in a way. They just sort of make you feel relaxed. Basically, movies that are the opposite of Twitter, I think, is what we need more of in 2019. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Kevin, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is The Wolf House, which played on movie. Get that another movie in mm-hmm. there. Big surprise. But uh, this one is, uh, <laughs> is, is, uh, is this is incredible craft here with the uh, the stop motion animation where they, they use all the rooms. They paint entire rooms. You see it being painted. You don't see them painted, but you see the paint going on and all that. It's kind of difficult to describe. But, man, it is, uh, it's mesmerizing to watch how they're kind of able to to pull this off for a, a full-length movie. It's an uh, impressive film to me of the year. There you go. Wolf House. My number two is If Beale Street Could Talk. Uh, again, we just reviewed this a few weeks ago on the podcast. I think it was two weeks ago, actually. The last podcast episode that aired, we reviewed this. It's uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful film. I, I haven't read the book. I, I'd like to read the book but just from watching the movie it seems like 
Barry Jenkins really took care to adapt um, the novel properly. And it's, again, it's just a movie that it deals with some difficult themes, but at the same time, it, that, that wonderful love story, you know, powers through all of, all of the trials and tribulations of these characters. And it makes you feel good. It's a feel good movie at the end of the day. And I think that's why I loved it so much. All right, here we are. Number one, Ken, what's your number one movie of 2018? My number one movie of the year is First Reformed. uh, (laughs) Another light feel good movie. (laughs) Yeah, another movie that's just really, (laughs) it's basically, it's basically makes you feel exactly the way that Paddington 2 did. I mean, they're just hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, it's um, an interesting discussion that I heard somewhere else, which means I'm about to steal whatever they said, I guess, is um, how it's a really good movie about faith, about like, not not necessarily solely about religion, but just faith in the ideas of human society and the future of humanity uh, against kind of the g- greed and... Uh, large sort of uncaring corporate monoliths and how they affect individual human systems and structures uh so it's about whether you can have any faith left in humanity against all of its kind of own self-imposed uh things that it tries to destroy it with so it's about the environment and pollution and all that and the ideas of the end of time and all that so you know it's a really great feel-good movie uh <laughs> ethan hawk is uh wonderful in it and um i was really ready to go more to bat for like individual citations for paul schrader for this movie but now it's kind of hard to do if he's just gonna like sabotage himself by just saying dumb things on facebook all the time <laughs> yeah yeah it's unfortunate so he he's on his own i really love this movie too this was on my top 10 up until earlier today i was like rearranging things and it just it just ended up not not quite making the top 10 but it could easily be switched out with um some of my other films on there i i really the just the look of it i really love the aesthetic of this movie the the aspect ratio that he chose and the uh the impeccable framing of this movie loved oh yeah loved it this would have landed on Kevin's top 10, but he hated that floating scene. So that, that, ru- <laughs> that ruined the whole movie for him. He did that float. Well, that ending, too. I didn't like that ending. I liked the ending. I didn't like yeah. the ending. Yeah. I, th- I thought I was going to kind of have like a fun, unique list because I have a movie called First Reformed and Number One and Paddington Two and Number Two. But um, in. Uh, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, David Ehrlich's uh, wonderful like annual video countdown came out, and he also had First Reformed in number one and Paddington 2 in number two. Uh, so it turns out I wasn't oh. the only one who got to do that. <laughs> Kevin, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is, I mean, slightly in the same vein as Ken, where it kind of deals with faith, but mine isn't... Uh, it doesn't come close to ending on someone just chunging a shit, shit, shit ton of Drano. And that is happy as Lazaro, which you can watch right now on Netflix. Mm. And uh, this is one that I really enjoyed it when I watched it. 
after I watched it, it was it kind of sitting like on the low end of the top ten. And every day I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And this movie has just stuck with me every single day since I watched it. And it just slowly crept up the list. And then today I was looking at it. You know what? I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm putting it in number one. You did it. I'm doing it right here. It happened. I just, I love the movie so goddamn much. I just want Lazaro to be in every movie. I just want him to pop mm-hmm. up in movies and just, just be pleasant. He's just going to mm-hmm. pop up and be pleasant in every movie. Just like the nicest person in the world. And they, they, I mean, he gets treated like shit and he's yeah. taken advantage of, but nicest person I, in the world surrounded by some of the worst people. Yeah, in the awful, world. awful yeah. people. And I mean, it does have like a, you know, the, the ending is not uh, uplifting in any way, but it's, I, I found it more so uplifting than if he ended up being corrupted. You know what I mean? Like he stuck it out to the end. He was good until the end. Uh, I wasn't, didn't quite make my top 10 list, but I do have it in like a few spots under that. And uh, we'll also say some of the very best selection of Eurodance songs in any soundtrack this year. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Uh all right, my number 1 is the favorite f- f- much for the same reasons that that Ken stated. I I just it's so odd and wonderful and like the uh I love the idea of Lanthimos tackling a period piece and it's it's exactly what you would expect from him tackling a period piece where it's just kind of just kind of skewed like it's a little off and everything feels a little off and i loved every every second of it and the uh yeah performances across the board were uh, amazing and i can't wait to see this again so looking back at 2018 what do you guys think overall of the year like the year in cinema so we're we're setting aside all of the other horrible garbage that we had to live through in 2018 looking at just cinematic offerings of 2018 ken how would you say the year was overall like you said 2018 in a lot of aspects was a really rough year but it was a very strong year for movies there were lots of really interesting stories being told and i think one common theme with a lot of that was um just a lot of diversity and representation in what was getting in front of audiences, uh, even uh, in major releases. You know, I think the kind of the pop cultural tone of the year was set very early on by Black Panther. And you had um, lots of movies from like Crazy Rich Asians to uh, even like smaller movies, kind of smaller movies from like the spring that kind of floated by like Love, Simon. It was really a year uh, where we were able to, start expanding out and se- and seeing that you know while so many of the kind of like status quo opinions that still hold sway over what gets greenlit by a major studio and what doesn't get greenlit by a major studio uh just now that there's palpable evidence that if you are create that if you are creating art that um actually appeals to underrepresented minority groups and you're ta- telling different stories and uh, listening to different perspectives, you will create new things that haven't quite been done before on the scale. Uh, you'll have a broader pool of artists that you're working with, and you'll have uh, an audience that is definitely there to see it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that this year was 
great for diversity in in film. You saw a lot of movies featuring strong female roles and minorities and a lot of uh a lot more female directors coming into the forefront as well as a lot of black directors i mean we look at even even i think the the larger studio pictures are starting to to fall in line and allowing for more diversity in their in their roster we're not 100% there yet, but we're getting there as far as uh, diversity in film. I agree wholeheartedly. I don't really have too much to add to that. You guys pretty much covered it. But uh, just another point that, and I think you kind of touched on towards the beginning, is the the way I saw this year, now number one, it was a long year. It just just felt like it would never end. And I'm, I'm, there's still a part of me that thinks that Tomorrow's just going to be December 32nd. Like they're not going <laughs> to let us out of 2019 somehow. They're going to change the calendars or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there wasn't, there wasn't uh, a ton of, to me, 10 out of 10s that just like kind of blew me away. It was just really, really dense in terms of just a lot of solid movies to be had. And I think for someone into film, it, pretty damn exciting because there's there's a ton of stuff out there and it's really really eclectic mix yeah we saw a lot of really strong debuts um with like bo burnham in eighth grade and uh ari aster doing hereditary we saw so there there are a lot of and boots riley doing sorry to bother you uh, a lot of really strong debuts and i feel like and maybe i'm completely incorrect about this but i feel like there were a lot of sort of uh, mid mid tier movies that were coming out, like movies uh, like Sorry to Bother You, where they're not these giant, huge budget blockbusters, but they were, you know, s- not super small indies that got released on five screens. You know, like yeah. I feel like yeah. in a lot of year, a lot of uh, more recent years, we haven't had a lot of sort of mid level, mid tier movies that have done very well and got a bigger release and this year we saw a, i feel like a pretty good number of them uh upgrade is one that comes to mind where the uh, lee wanell's sci-fi movie that's a movie that doesn't didn't have a huge budget it wasn't like the next blade runner it was like a mid-level sci-fi movie that did really well and was really uh was really good yeah, that would be really exciting if we're kind of coming into a new era where mid-budget, mid-tier movies are really coming back and making an impact in a big way. We also saw a lot of skateboarding movies this year for some reason. Yeah, everybody's <laughs> on. <laughs> There's one skateboarding, man. Yeah, we had Minding the Gap, we had Skate Kitchen, we had Mid-90s, and I think there were some other ones in there too that... I may be forgetting about, but lots of skateboarding movies. I thought Mining yeah. the Gap was probably the, the best of the bunch, but Skate Kitchen was okay too. And I think we're getting some more skateboarding movies coming in 2019. And I think that they're adapting Skate Kitchen into a TV show as well. Yeah. I don't know. That could work. Get rid of the unnecessary drama stuff. <laughs> I think they're going to double down on the drama. Yeah, just let them hang and just... 
do some skating. If it's a TV show, I would bet that they're going to double down on the on the drama. Oh, I'm sure they. I will say I didn't get to see a lot of them, but the amount of films that I didn't get to see that I that really really excited for, uh, documentary wise. It just seemed like a really strong year for documentaries. Oh yeah, it was a great year for documentaries. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see a lot of docs this year. Um, in previous years, I would just burn myself out on documentaries, but I think between Mining the Gap and Shirkers and Three Identical Strangers was another one I really loved this year. There were there were a lot of really solid documentaries. Won't you be my neighbor, everybody? I'm sure is uh, is pretty big on that. You have movies like. Uh... Like like documentaries like Won't You Be My Neighbor that may not be like the most innovative or technically uh, robust of documentaries, but I think going into what we were talking about earlier just about nice movies that feel like they're performing a public service, that would definitely be an example of it. And it's uh, really great to see how it's been, you know, resonating. Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, I completely agree with you, Ken. I, as far as the style of of won't you be my neighbor it was pretty pretty average you know you're pretty average talking head doc but it was just it came out at just the right time i think mm-hmm. uh netflix also saw a lot of big releases this year and i know that they're planning on even more next year i think they announced 90 original movies next year so yeah <laughs> so what do you guys think of this Netflix thing overall? Because, I mean, in previous years, in 2017, even in 2016, we saw the sort of emergence of Netflix putting out original movies. But this year was the first year that they had some really heavy hitters. And I know that on my top 50 list, there's a number of Netflix uh, titles on there. I don't know about you guys but what do you what do you think uh ken overall with how netflix plays a part in movies i mean it's such a sort of a complicated uh thing netflix because on one hand it has historically been very bad with how it treats its original content there's so many movies that went to netflix and then just got buried just seemingly because they wanted to have like just to meet some kind of like quantity level of movies that they were going to hit. Uh, But I think there is tremendous value in how it can take on um, projects that otherwise wouldn't have gotten them the amount of attention and gotten in front of as many people as it did. Like, and when it can combine like a theatrical exhibition, so people can go and see it on a big screen if they can, and then being able to show it to everybody, then that's really one of its strengths. If it follows more like the Amazon model, then I think that's really where it's hitting an ideal point. So I think that's the model they're following with Roma, where they tried to kind of give it a, a little bit of a theatrical play before putting it out on the platform. And just in general, just because they kind of operate more as a, in the vein of like a premium cable uh, provider where maybe some people are subscribing for specific kinds of content. So you can more cater to that than certainly like projects like, you know, finishing the other side of the wind or something show what Netflix's resources can do. And so I think obviously there's still going to be lots of things that just appear on Netflix and then vanish. And 
some maybe deserve that more than others. Uh, but I think we're seeing this year that there is a lot that we still don't quite know about where this is going. Yeah, I, I, I think it is a little bit of a double-edged sword where you can get movies like Timeshare and The World Is Yours. These are two movies that landed on my top 50 and they're both Netflix originals and they had absolutely zero marketing behind them at all. Like I didn't even know that they were available on Netflix. I got no emails about them. I got nothing. Mm -hmm. And these are two, two great movies that showed up on Netflix that I was not even aware of. And it's a double-edged sword in that I think that it's great that these, these, these are both uh, foreign films that anyone can see, you know, they, they, they get released for everyone in the United States, at least at the same time, you don't have to go to your, you know, go to a, a, a major metropolitan area and find the art house theater to, to see this movie. But at the same time, what's going on here? Like these, these movies are completely mm-hmm. swept under the rug. Yeah. I mean, and then when you see what Netflix can do, if it finds something that people are catching onto and really promotes it, and then just sort of uses it to drive it even higher. Uh, like um, back in August, like uh, I reviewed like a screener link of to all the boys I've loved before uh, a few days before I came out and I, you know, saw it and I wrote my review and I thought it was a very nice movie. Um, more important representation for uh, Asian American characters the same week that Crazy Rich Asians came out. That was an amazing weekend, by the way. <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> uh, but I watched it like a few days before it came out, and I thought this is kind of, this is a nice movie. But it felt like something that Netflix was going to like sort of push out there and then bury away at the bottom. And so I was really thrilled to see it just catch on and really connect with people, and then then to see Netflix embrace that because it was so popular that just kind of shows you what it can do. Of course, it can also promote, you know, really that, that if a really terrible movie catches on, then that also takes up all of the space. Uh, like, um, does anybody here see the kissing booth? No, I didn't see that one. Don't don't it's dead last on my list. <laughs> like everything ranked it's dead last. It is repugnant. Uh, but, that that still was another movie that was popular on Netflix that Netflix lot, sort of latched onto and started promoting aggressively. But if it just figured out some way to kind of maybe stage that a little bit more succinctly instead of just spending some time going all in on a few things that are sort of more popular at the moment and then kind of giving more of a wider appeal to all of its content, then that would be a remarkable improvement on what they're doing now. Cause I think they still do have that problem where they have so much going on in so many different uh, kind of niches and demographics that they end up kind of going with none of them at all and letting everything fall wherever it does. Yeah. They seem to kind of just wait and let people do the work for yeah. them. Like as soon as, you know, a couple of people start talking about a movie and it catches on a little bit, then Netflix shows up like, yeah, this is ours. We made this. (laughs) We love it. We're going to advertise the hell out of it. But if no one discovers it and no one really talks about it, Netflix just kind of like, yeah, it's it's on there if you want to look for it. It's it's infuriating because there's Mm -hmm. there's some good stuff on there. But I mean, most of the time for me, the way I learn is I just happen to be following the right person on Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, you know, such and such is on Netflix. And I'll be like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how I found several Netflix movies this year as well. And like, you know, I'll get emails uh, from Netflix, you know, PR emails about certain things. But then there's some things where I don't get emails about them at all, which is very strange. Like they, they, like they don't yeah. put any uh marketing towards some of the movies that they release and it's just very very odd like i got tons of emails about bird box you know like i knew about that one well (laughs) in advance that that bird box was coming out i still don't know exactly what bird box is i just know the memes yeah that's uh i was not into that one i was not into the bird box i i think that 2019 will be an interesting time for netflix i think we're going to see more of the like interactive style things coming out of netflix we have the you know the black mirror i guess you could call it a movie dropped this this Mm -hmm. past weekend which i don't know if you guys had a chance to give that a look have either of you looked at bandersnatch not really This is back to back. You gotta be giving me back to back with Bandersnatch and Bird Box. What the fuck, man? Bandersnatch, Bird Box. Um, That's just we need like, we need a third one. It's like it's like they're just fucking with us now. I I thought that the the Bandersnatch was really interesting. It was a really cool idea, and I I liked it a lot. And I, I think we'll probably see more of that in 2019 from Netflix sort of trying different things with the fact that it, it is an interactive platform and you can make, you know, some, some sort of interesting media experiences with it. When you watch Bandersnatch, <laughs> when you well, like, when you got to the end of it, are you like, um, try different configurations of this where are you just kind of like, yeah, it was no. Fun. So yeah. Like, so it's, it's really it's really cool how it works. Um, I I would imagine that everybody's experience is a little bit different, but um, anytime you make a really big decision that sort of ends the story, it rewinds it a little bit and allows you to pick a different choice. But some of those things are sort of baked into the main story itself. Uh, it's really hard to describe, but it's a uh, it's very it's very meta. It's very tr- it's kind of trippy in in how it works. Uh, it's it's well worth a look, though. I would I would highly recommend giving it a look. It, it's a good story, though. Like it's it's not it's not crappy or anything. It's it's a really engaging story. Well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I also don't really know who they're getting on their roster for 2019 as far as directors. Uh, they got some really big directors, a lot of directors that I quite like in 2018 that, that made things that I thought were not amazing, like uh, Gareth Evans and Jeremy Saulnier. So we'll mm-hmm. see, we'll see who they pick up and the Coen brothers too. I, I really didn't like um, mm-hmm. Buster Scruggs Mm-mm. that much. No. So it's, it's just like watered down versions. 
Yeah, so we'll see we'll see how it goes with them in 2019. Any other things that are coming up, maybe things to to round out 2018 or maybe things that you guys are excited for in 2019? 2018's been so exhausting I haven't got gotten the chance to look forward to anything yet. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> I've just been trying to get out of uh, 2018. I'm hoping that 2019 will see more comedies. I, I feel like I say that every single year, but we've, I feel like over the last five years, we've been, we've had a dearth of comedies. Like there's just nothing. There's been a handful of solid comedies in 2018, but I'd like to see more. Yeah. It would be definitely welcomed. I'm wondering if we're going to see more movies that are in the same style of, uh, of searching and unfriended dark web. I'm wondering if we'll see some more of those, if that's going to be a style that catches on in 2019. I have a feeling it will Yeah, be. because searching, I think, was pretty have... pretty popular. I don't think unfriended dark web was was that much of a moneymaker, but I think it was really good. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I liked it a lot, too. Well, and I think it's just kind of a perfect storm thing going on there, too. Like, you, you can just record your screen just i have a feeling that you're we're gonna see this like deluge mm. of all these knockoffs of everyone just giving it a shot just to have stuff glitch out here and there like it's gonna be like the next um like found footage or something i hope not but i i'm afraid that that will happen All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Tune in next week when we'll be talking about our most anticipated films of 2019. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin, and at kbake underscore 99. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestrong, Ken Bakley, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.